is. This is Sports Better Court with Dan Lust on Better Sports Network. We are back with another episode of the Sports Better Court. I am your host, your judge, your arbitrator, all of the above. My name is Dan Lust. A little bit of sports law, a little bit of sports betting. Each and every week, we take you around the sports law world to find you the top story in all of sports law. We educate you a little bit of the law, then we take you to the betting side. Now, this week, I don't think there's any one big story that's kind of taken over the sports world. Last week, we talked about the blind side and Michael Orr. This week, we have really the precipice of the NFL season. I wanted to remind our audience, right? In the NFL, we look forward. We look forward who we're going to draft, what futures are we going to take. Now, we have to look back a little bit. It's very easy to forget what we had last year. Two very critical moments in NFL history from the injury side. First, Tua, right? Tank for Tua, Miami Dolphins. The 1952 study, um, you know, and people I think are aware of this across the country, you suffer three concussions. That's potentially a career-ending injury. Tua officially suffered only two concussions, but if that doesn't quite sound right, I'll just go a little bit of, a little bit of history here. Week three, Tua was alleged to have suffered a back injury. Right. Not a head injury. And that's what allowed him. It was a week three game against the Buffalo Bills on a Sunday night. If people remember, that's what allowed him this diagnosis of a back injury to play in the Thursday game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And that was that kind of injury with his hands kind of put up. That's when he allegedly suffered his first concussion. The second concussion occurred later in the year when he played the Green Bay Packers in week 16. So why do we bring this up? Not just for player safety in general. The NFL changed a rule during the course of last season that kind of went under the radar. It's now called the Tua rule, at least in our, our little world it will be. Now this, this concept of gross motor instability, which is a concept called ataxia, that will now be designated as something that will now put you in the concussion protocol. So if you caught that right, remember, week three, the NFL and the Miami Dolphins claimed that Tua had a back injury, this ataxia. That allowed him to play in week four, that Thursday game on short rest, which we think made him more susceptible to that concussion less than less than you know five days later. So now the NFL is saying if you suffer gross motor instability, we're going to treat that as kind of akin to being a concussion protocol. So you're not really wrong to say Tua might have suffered three concussions this past year. We'll say two and a half if we're trying to count it appropriately. The story this past offseason that Tua was considering retirement because of the injuries that he suffered this past year. So now moving forward, right? Fantasy and, and anybody watching the show, you're a football fan first and foremost. Tua is playing, but he's maybe suffered three concussions, two and a half if you want to put it lightly. The NFL is certainly trying to change those rules because of the optics around concussions. In 2023, we shouldn't have a player who suffered maybe two, maybe three, and we don't really know how many concussions. But yet the NFL is changing that rule to do a little protection, a little bit of revisionist history for the Miami Dolphins' sake. Now, right next to him in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills had a very serious injury that occurred with DeMar Hamlin last year. Not one that was a concussion, one that was a cardiac injury that almost resulted in the death of DeMar Hamlin. According to some reports, DeMar Hamlin was gone and then was brought back, resuscitated on the field. So it's pretty serious. I mean, we can talk about all football and, and kind of looking forward in terms of best bets, but we have a real serious player safety issue still as we enter 2023. So we can all rejoice and cheer that football is upon us. But we can't forget about the role that doctors and lawyers play in this role of risk management and player safety. As you're preparing for your draft, you're putting your futures in, just remember this game of football is very fragile. So we have to celebrate the wins on and off the field. The fact that the NFL is agreeing to change their concussion protocol, agreeing to change these rules, putting more spotlights on guys like DeMar Hamlin, who's the heavy favorite for comeback player of the year. These are small wins, and I think we should celebrate these when we can. That has been Lust for Law this week on the show. 
all football edition. We are basically one week out from the start of the NFL season. Time to celebrate those wins. Celebrate the good, the good football upon us. Three big NFL bets, two special guests. You know the format. Three rounds, winner take all. When we come back on another episode of the Sports Better Court. We'll be back in a minute. I feel like this is a quietly contentious point in dynasty fantasy football what it means to actually be rebuilding some people say you should never truly be rebuilding how, how do you view the rebuilding versus competing dichotomy in dynasty so i will be the first person to acknowledge that my preferred uh format or fantasy football is just redraft um the years that i have played dynasty um it has been I've drafted a win now team because I've seen people that have just gotten into the cycle of rebuilding and thus they just don't make any progress. So I, if you're rebuilding for the fifth year in a row, I just, you know, I don't know how exactly how you get out of it, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something that can, that can happen. And a lot of people, especially when you see, when we come out of the NFL draft, everyone's just instantly shipping off, you know, draft picks and, and everything. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that can happen. Joey, do you do you feel similarly to it? Do you uh, feel like you see people getting stuck in the rebuilding loop? I mean, I would say people that try to rebuild in the beginning of seasons, of their fantasy seasons, I see them get stuck in that rut. Um, I would really try to only ever rebuild if, if I knew I was going to miss the playoffs. Like, I'm always trying to play to win. Even if it's, maybe, I, I don't know. I think, my, I think my big thing is the word rebuild is a much shorter time frame than I think most people say it yeah. should be. Like they look at rebuild as like three years out competing. Rebuild, you're looking to compete next season. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're doing it now, you're looking to revamp and maybe there's a one season where you ship it off, but that very next season you should be competing. If you're doing it like that, I'm cool with it, but you gotta have a plan not just keep getting the young players, keep getting the draft picks. Otherwise you I end up like Tim um, maybe not like Tim who gets a buy, but you make the playoffs, you're in that like four to six range every year, just hovering in the middle. Nothing ever gets better. Nothing ever gets worse. I think I play like you in Dynasty, Simon. I play in three-year windows. 100%. Oh. That's, that's my go-to. And uh, with the rate at which Dynasty Leagues turn over, you should really only ever play in a three-year window. <laughs> We are back on Sports Better Court. Fantasy is upon us. The fan duel season up to 2,500 no sweat. First bet by using fantasyalarm.com slash fanduel. Now, let us announce our litigants for the show tonight. Nick Whalen from Rotowire. Nick is the senior analyst for Rotowire and gambling.com. You can find him on SiriusXM hosting for both fan sports today and the Rotowire NBA show. Find him on Twitter at Way W H A one and against him, Tyler Soto, a friend, a familiar face, a producer for Better Sports Network. Tyler working behind the scenes for us on Monday Night Rants, Dynasty Nerds. He also works at the graphics department over at FanDuel. Find him on Twitter at Heavy Ton Air. You see those handles up there. Um, gentlemen, welcome to the show. You guys ready for this? Could be more ready. Let's get to it. Definitely ready. Well, sometimes we have two litigants and everyone's ready to go. Other times we have one litigant ready to go, and we got to call in the backup QB. Tyler, ready on short notice. You ready for this, Tyler? I, I feel like this is your moment. Carpe diem. It is my moment, and I, I definitely feel prepared for it. I think we got this. 
Okay, so uh, I'm going to give you a softball, Tyler. Okay, I see over your shoulder, I see an Atlanta Falcons helmet. First line of the night, Atlanta Falcons over under win total is eight and a half. Gentlemen, you know the format. Best two out of three. Whoever takes two rounds wins here. I'm giving you a little bit of an edge here, Tyler. Coming on a short notice, Atlanta Falcons, what do you like, over or under? I'm actually going to take the under. Now, you are correct. I am a massive fan of the Atlanta Falcons. But I'm going to take the under because there is a lot of unknown going into this season. And, of course, because the arch-rival New Orleans Saints are very, very good. Their defense is very good. They finally brought in an upgrade at quarterback. Kamara is only going to be suspended the first three games, and then he'll be back. They have a very good chance of taking the division as much as it pains me to say. Atlanta, on the other hand, we don't know what Desmond Ritter is yet. Okay, We know that Bijan is a stud, but the Falcons keep putting him third on the depth chart for some reason. Do we know for sure he's going to be the starter? We do not. And on top of that, how much is Atlanta going to move down the field? How much are they going to throw the ball? We don't know if Ritter can throw deep after all. Pitts had a down year last year. Drake London had an okay rookie year. On top of that, they rebuilt the defense, yes, but the defense has always been Atlanta's one main weakness every single year. Can they hold up? Will Calais Campbell be able to uh, provide, I guess, some defensive insight for the young guys? Will it all pan out in the later of the season? I don't think so. I think eight and a half is a very fair spot to put it. But I'll say that they finished just under at maybe seven. Okay, under is the pick. Nick, what do you like, over or under here? I- I'm glad he's going under because I love the over on eight and a half wins for the Atlanta Falcons. I would even consider, you know, yes to make the playoffs. You can get that around plus 105, plus 110. I would even think about taking the Falcons plus 210 over at FanDuel to win the NFC South. I will acknowledge the Saints uh, deserve kind of incumbent status here. I think they are probably the best team on paper, but I think there's a lot to like about Atlanta. You, know, you mentioned some of those improvements on defense, not just Calais Campbell, but you bring in another veteran at Bud Dupree. You bring in a big-time addition at safety, Jesse Bates, coming over from Cincinnati. And, look, I, I have my concerns about Desmond Ritter as well, but I, this is not a situation where they're going to ask Desmond Ritter to be a star in year two. I think Desmond Ritter just has to be close to an average quarterback, and that's fine uh, based on where they drafted him, based on how this offense operates, right? Uh, this is one of, one of the most, if not the most, run-heavy teams in the league last season. I think that will continue with Bijan Robinson you know, taking over a larger share from Tyler Algier. They're not asking Desmond Ritter to carry this team week to week. They're asking the running game to do that. And I, I think they have the talent on the offensive line. I think they now have the back and Bijan in place to do that. So you're just asking Desmond Ritter to not mess things up week to week. And look, if he does, you have a pretty competent backup now in Taylor Heineke. This is a team with great skill position talent. I think Drake London actually had a very good rookie year considering the circumstances, you know, catching the ball from uh, Marcus Mariota early in the season. And then Desmond Ritter kind of thrust into action late in the year. I think all things considered, Drake London looked great. We'll see. On okay, Kyle Pitts. Nick, I know the I'm talent gonna, is there I'm for gonna, sure. Yeah, I'm going to stop you here. I, I, I'm kind of leaning... I'm leaning towards the over. The problem is, and, and Tyler, I'll let you defend this point here. I'm looking at the last five years of the Atlanta Falcons, right? Starting in 2018, seven wins, seven wins, four wins, seven wins, seven wins. This is a DNA of a team that is averaging about seven wins, right? It's right, it's right on the nose here. So to say that they're going to take a game and a half leap when arguably they're downgrading at quarterback, uh, that's a tough sell. So Tyler, I'll go back to you here. You're the Falcons fan. Um, I, the question is really Desmond Ritter. Uh, do you think he's an upgrade over Marcus Mariota? I, I, I'm not quite sure he is. 
Well, we all saw Marcus Mariota try to throw off his literal back last year. I considered that as most likely an upgrade. However, I will go back to the one point I made. The defense is really going to be what the key here is. You notice how all those years, they've always had, ever since Super Bowl 51, some time of late-game collapse every single season in multiple regular season games. Can the defense finally get over that hump? Can they finally get rid of that mental block? I have suffered so much watching these losses that it pains me to even bring it up. But at the same time, it's one of the things where I really need to see it before I believe it. There is such a stink and slight curse over this defense that I really need to see it with my own two eyes. See, I'm, I'm hearing about the defense, but the sexy part of the Falcons is the offense, right? We could talk about Kyle Pitts. Mm -hmm. We could talk about Drake London. We could talk about, I guess, Desmond Ritter. Nick, is that what you're buying here, that the offense is going to be that much better? I think the offense will be better than it was last season. I love the skill position talent, like I said, but I, I kind of buried the lead here, guys. The reason that I love Atlanta to go over eight and a half more than anything is the schedule. They have the easiest schedule in the NFL this season. And, you know, you mentioned they were a seven-win team last year, but, I mean, these are some of the opponents they had to face last season. They got the Rams early in the season before the Rams completely collapsed. They were still, in our minds, a, a Super Bowl contender at that point. They had to play Seattle, Cleveland, Tampa, uh, of course, we, we think of the Buccaneers a lot differently right now than we did going into last season. They had to play the 49ers, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Ravens. Obviously, you play the Buccaneers twice. You look at this year now, first seven games of the year, guys, for the Atlanta Falcons, these are the quarterbacks that they face. You know, it's one thing to look at the team, but I think you, it's almost more accurate to look at the quarterbacks that you're facing, especially if you're worried about that defense. They're playing Bryce Young at home in his first NFL game, Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, okay, that's a tough matchup. C.J. Stroud, Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield. I, I think this team has a really good chance to start off, you know, at least five and two. I think they'll be favored in, in over half of those games. And when you look at the schedule holistically, I mean, I, I think the toughest game on their schedule is late in the year. They play the New York Jets. Uh, you know, they get that Jaguars game. You know, they, they, they play the Bears in week 17. Maybe you're a little worried about stopping Justin Fields, but that's about it, guys. I think there's a strong case to be made here that there are three or maybe four above average NFL quarterbacks on the Falcons schedule this season. So even if you're not even that high on the Falcons offense or you worry about their defense, I think the schedule really, really plays in their favor. Okay. I think I'm ready to render a decision here. I mean, lest we forget, right? The Atlanta Falcons for a period of time were basically hovering around a 500 team for most of last year until they decided to pack it in. Eight and a half is basically saying this team is going to be slightly above 500, which is not such a huge sell for the Atlanta Falcons. If you're buying the fantasy numbers, you're buying Bijan, you're buying Drake. Maybe people are still buying Kyle Pitts. I'm, I'm not sure if people are. Um, I, I think this looks like a team that's going to exceed expectations. So, Nick, I'm going to go with you. Over eight and a half, I'll give you round one. But, Tyler, don't fret. Right. We still have two more rounds here. Um, okay, as we head into round two, we'll stick with another over-under. The Washington Commanders in our legal world. That was the biggest story of the offseason. Dan Snyder, will he, won't he? Will he fight the team? Will he take them to the Supreme Court? Snyder goes away quietly on his golden yacht with $7 billion. Okay. Now, speaking of $7 billion, the over-under here, six and a half, a fairly low number. Now, I told you guys the history of the Falcons when we were looking at a seven-win team. Last year, guys, the Commanders, right, a line at a six and a half. The Commanders won eight games. The year before that, they won seven games. The year before that, they won seven games. So we have a team, the last three years, has exceeded that win total. They have removed themselves from the shackles that is Dan Snyder, and now they are on their own. Why does the line now under six and a half? Nick, 
you took round one. We'll, we'll let you lead mm-hmm. off here. What do you like here? The over or under for the Washington Commanders? First of all, this is the perfect line, as they often are, uh, coming from the sports book. But I'm going to go under uh, on the Washington Commanders. I, I think they're in a great spot in week one, first of all. I think if you're playing in a survivor pool, there's going to be a lot of people uh, piling on the Commanders at home uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. That's probably the, the best spot you could possibly be in to use the Commanders uh, in a survivor league. But beyond that, I, I think there's a lot up in the air with this team. You know, I think Sam Howell has looked pretty good during the preseason, but ultimately it is the preseason and we need to see it in regular season games. You know, Terry McLaurin got banged up during the preseason. We'll see how healthy he is to begin the year. I, I do like a lot of the pieces on this team, but they have not been well coached uh, over the last few years. And, you know, you still have Ron Rivera there. I think eventually the, uh, you know, the, the, the dark cloud of Dan Snyder being lifted from this team, that'll give them a boost early on. That's not something that's going to be sustaining this team and buoying them throughout the regular season. And, you know, this is not a team, you know, like the Falcons where you look around the division and say, you know, I I like their chances to to take two games from Carolina or beat Tampa twice. I mean, they're in a really, really difficult division. You got to play the Eagles twice. You got to play the Cowboys twice. You have to play a much improved New York Giants team twice. I I don't really know where the wins come in the division. And even out of division, they have a relatively difficult schedule. You got to play the Bills. You, You basically play the entire AFC East, you know, which is, uh, not not a single weakling in that division. You know, you, you got to go on the road at New England. I think that's probably the easiest opponent you would say on paper in the AFC East. So I, I don't think the schedule plays to their favor this season. I think they are, to me, probably a six-win team. They'll brush up against that win total, but I'm going under. Now, Nick, for years and years, people said if they just got rid of Dan Snyder, they'd be a competent franchise. He's gone, but that number goes down. Tyler, you like the over or the under here? I actually do like the over just a little bit. I will be honest, not by much, but I do like the over. <laughs> so you kind of just explained it. They did just relieve themselves of the shackles of Dan Schneider. They're going to want to play out. And yeah, that will only sustain them for a little bit, but you built on top of that and you keep playing and you keep winning. You guys got to remember, on believe it was on Monday Night Football last year, the Eagles were undefeated and Washington took them out. Washington has very sneaky play every single year. Ron Rivera, for whatever reason, knows how to get the best out of his guys. And looking at the schedule right now, actually, just look at the division for a second. Do we know if Daniel Jones is going to stay the same? Is he going to regress? Philly lost both their coordinators. Are they going to be anything close to what they were last year? And Dallas is Dallas. Nobody ever knows what they're going to do. And to be perfectly honest, I don't always trust Mike McCarthy. So there's that as well. And Dak throws a lot of interceptions. So there's probably, I'm not going to say they're going to go 6-0, and in the entire division, but they could probably go three and three. So there's three wins right there. And then they play Arizona. That's a win. They play Chicago. That's we, probably- we don't need to go through the whole schedule. Tyler, I think your point's taken. This is not yeah. a, a garbage franchise. And I, and I just gave you guys the last three years, but if you really go back eight years for the Washington commanders, seven out of the last eight years, they've had seven wins or more. Now it's not to say they're, they're not making Super Bowl runs. They're not making conference championships, but it's generally a team that's not going to embarrass themselves. The last in 2019, they had a three-win season. They went three and thirteen, uh, and then you know, other than that, they've really consistently been a seven, eight, nine-win team. So I, I don't know. I'm just reading. I, mean, I have a lot of friends that are Washington fans through all of our coverage of uh, the Sna- the Snyder stuff, the lawsuits. There are a lot of people that are ready to show up. And let's not forget, right? Home field advantage. The Commanders have not had it the last couple of years. They've had the worst attendance in the league. Commanders fans are showing up. They sold out season tickets, right? This is a, this is a team that people are going to be happy to root for. But I think if you're really trying to look for it. I, I'm not sure who's going to be the fantasy stud in Washington. I have no idea. I don't think anyone is, is so thrilled with Sam Howell in the quarterback room over there and, and Jacoby Brissett. But it's a team that generally is pretty competent. Uh, Tyler, 
Uh, I'm leaning towards you. Okay, Nick, I'll let you save it. I'll let you have the final word here. So you can swing for the fences here. Why should I not side with Tyler? Look, man, I, I just, I like, we, we keep going back to this Dan Snyder point, and I, I get it. You know, I, like I said early on, I think that's going to be something that there's going to be kind of a breath of fresh air for this franchise, but I, I think it's going to take years to undo what Dan Snyder. Uh, you know, did to this franchise, did to this fan base. It's not something you could just wipe away, you know, over the course of a couple months leading up to week one. And, you know, ultimately you're, you're basically starting a rookie quarterback in Sam Howell. You know, you, you have two okay running backs uh, in Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. You have you know, really, in my mind, like one or two above average skill players uh, in Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. And again, I, I'm a lot higher, I think, on the rest of the NFC East than you guys are. I, I think they could easily go one and five in that division. And that's going to be a really big time uphill battle to find six other wins on that schedule. I think it's fair. I mean, Nick, to your point earlier, it's like Desmond Ritter is his second year quarterback. Didn't have the best rookie campaign, but those are much better skill players. You mentioned between B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. No one excites me in that commander's backfield, but I don't know. This is a team, for better or for worse, they've showed they've showed us that they are pretty consistent. They find those seven, eight wins. It's not a huge number. So with the edge, Tyler, I like how you said it. You don't think they're going to beat it by much, but just a little bit. I, I could see seven wins out of this, and I wouldn't shock anybody. I don't know if they'll get those necessarily wins in the division. I'm not sure I see three and three, but I, I think they do get the seven wins. Tyler, I'm going to give you round two. So that'll lead us to the rubber match, the third and final round when we come back from break. The Detroit Lions select Sam Laporta, tight end, Iowa. Had to go with your boy Sam Laporta there to pair with TJ Hawkinson. Sammy. I couldn't I couldn't double down on rookie tight ends. I think that would take it that's taking it a little too far. This could be one of the most exciting rookie tight end classes in a, in, a, in a while, just based on the archetypes of these guys, of the Dalton Kincaids and the Sam Laportas. Uh, obviously Green Bay drafted to themselves. Uh, with Tucker Craft and uh, Luke Musgrave. So um, after Kincaid, I would say is probably the consensus with uh, tight ends. Like, who do you like as far as the best ball, like end of best ball? Uh, do you like Laporta or is there anybody else you like more? I do like Laporta. We're looking for guys that can be a top two target on their team. Uh, so any path, any argument you could make, right? So you can make the argument that Dalton Kincaid is going to be a top two target with uh, after Stephon Diggs. You can make an argument that with Jamison Williams suspended, now Sam LaPorta is just going to play straight up wide receiver. He looks like a wide receiver. Why can't he line up out wide at split end, right? It's like Marvin Jones and Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I would also throw another name in the ring, and I don't mind since we're doing this for the fans, for the kids. He's still on the board. Luke Musgrave on your Packers. Uh, you know, they're not super loaded at wide receiver. We like the guy Reed they drafted, but you never know. So why can't Luke Musgrave be a big slot? In fact, they drafted two tight ends, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. Tucker Craft is more of an inline guy. They might just go two tight ends right away. Tucker Craft inline, Luke Musgrave in the slot. Why can't he be a target monster for, for Jordan Love? So th those are the guys, that those are the conditions that you need for a rookie tight end to succeed. They need to not only be the best pass catching tight end on the team, but a top two pass catcher on the team outright. That's how you get Kyle Pitts. Evan Ingram as a rookie was top five because Odell Beckham Jr. hurt his knee four weeks into the year. So that's the formula. We're looking for guys that can actually be a top target right away. Otherwise, we're playing the, the sit and wait long term game, which is what you're doing with guys like Michael Mayer.
We are back. We are back for round three. But before we get there, the start of fantasy season is really right here. Fantasy Alarm All-Pro Subscription and Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Start a free-day, seven-day trial of Fantasy Alarm's All-Pro Subscription and get the draft guide for free. Go to fantasyalarm.com slash draft. Okay, Tyler, you're filling in admirably on short notice. Nick, you took round one. Let's see if you can uh, grab this in round three. Our grizzled vet, our production assistant coming in on short notice. This is where legends are made, gentlemen. Okay, we started off the conversation today in the AFC, AFC East talking about the Miami Dolphins, talking a little bit about DeMar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, we were talking about the strength of the NFC East. I think the AFC East will be one of the strongest divisions in football. Speaking of pedigrees, you have the New England Patriots bringing up the rear. You had the Miami Dolphins, which were undefeated at the best offense in football for a period of time. Don't forget about the Buffalo Bills and the biggest story in the offseason, Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Nick, I'm going to have you lead us off here. Who is your pick? to win the AFC East. I'm going with the favorites here, guys. Uh, you know, taking the cop out, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills at plus 120, but I, I will admit, you know, this is far from a lock. You know, the, the, the Bills to me have been uh, pretty clearly the best team in this division over the last two or three years, but I think that gap has closed significantly. And part of that, of course, is Aaron Rodgers' arrival in New York. Part of it is the Miami Dolphins' ascension uh, over the last calendar year under Mike McDaniel. But I'm actually of the belief that I think Buffalo will take a step back this season, but we're talking about a team that won 13 games last year, could have won 14, by the way. You remember the DeMar Hamlin game was, was a no result, so this could have been a 14-win team. I, I kind of view them like I do the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC North, where I, I don't think either team will be as good as they were in 2022, but I still think you know you could you could lop off two wins, and they could still win the division You know at, at something like 11-6. and six. So uh, tough schedule for the Buffalo Bills, first-place schedule. You know That gets you games you know, out of division, out of rotation uh, against Cincinnati, against Jacksonville. There are not a ton of gimmies uh, on this Buffalo Bills schedule. I will give you that. But, uh, you know, the, the Jets are up against something similar. The Dolphins are up against something similar. To me, I'm not really considering the New England Patriots uh, as a true division winner contender, as good as that defense may be in the AFC East. But uh, Buffalo, to me, is the, is the team with the most wiggle room. You know, things could go wrong for the Bills. They could drop a game here or there. And I, I think they have more room for error than the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins. I like it. It's the favorite, but I certainly could see the Bills winning this division. Tyler, where's your bet take you? So my bet is actually going to those New York Jets, plus 250 on FanDuel to win the AFC East. And there's a couple reasons why. We'll get to Aaron Rodgers in a second, but you have the reigning Aaron defense. Rodgers, the first reason. <laughs> you also have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year from last year, both on the same team, playing against each other, playing against the best that there is. That defense was top five defense last year. They nearly went to the playoffs with an awful Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco rotation in the back. And now you throw Aaron Rodgers in the mix, bringing back his old guy Hackett, who Hackett works well with Rodgers and nobody else, as we found that out last year. But he only needs to work well with Rodgers to make this work. Robert Sala has that defense tuned. They can go far. I personally have them in the AFC title game. I think they do make that deep of a run. I think they can win this division. If Buffalo goes 11-6, and six, they're not winning it. The, I think to win this division, you probably have to win at least 13 games. And even if Aaron Rodgers does get hurt, hypothetically, Zach Wilson has been following him the entire offseason. I've been watching. Oh, Aaron you Rodgers. lost me on that one, Tyler. Uh, Zach Wilson is not going to get you points. Uh, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. out. 
Let, didn't say he'll get you points, but he might be enough uh, to be a game manager. I don't, I don't know about that. Okay, let, let's do a little bit of history. The judge does a little bit of research here. This AFC East division has been won basically by the Bills or the Patriots every year since 2008. That's when the Dolphins won. Now, Tyler, this one's for you. You're picking the Jets. When was the last time the Jets won this division? If Take I a guess. Honestly, think about it. It's 2000 or 2001. Oh, he's so close. 2002. You're very close. The Chad Pennington Jets. That was that kind of crazy years. But, you know, people remember that they had those runs with Rex Ryan. They weren't winning the division. New England was winning the division. They were making those runs. Division, listen, I'm a New Yorker. Uh, Nick, I know. Nick, Nick, where are you? You Where are you from? You're from Milwaukee? Yeah, I'm in Milwaukee. Okay. Tyler, where are you from? Atlanta or someplace else? I'm in Los Angeles. You're in Los Angeles. You're a Falcons fan. I won't ask those questions. You're not in the record here. Now, I am a New Yorker. There is so much hype around the Jets. This train has happened multiple times in the last 20 years since they won the division. They never win the division. When the hype goes up, the Jets go down. The Jets are a cursed franchise, okay? Now, what you didn't mention, Tyler, and listen, I, I think the Bills are the chalk here. So, Nick, I can't go that hard on you. I'm, and I am actually am a Bills fan. So I'm rooting for this to happen. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, right, we have a seven-win Jets team. You add Aaron Rodgers to the mix on a team last year with the rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson, with the rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner, that team only won seven games with Zach Wilson. So you're not going to tell me a Zach Wilson team is going to get to 10 wins. So to me, Tyler, why I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of you know what, Aaron Rodgers has to add three wins to this team. So, uh, Nick, I'm, this is a little bit unorthodox. Nick, do you, do, you, do you think that Aaron Rodgers is a three-win player, or do you think that the Bills win excess of 10 games? That over-under line is nine and a half for the Jets. That's why I asked that question. I think the Bills get to 11 or 12. So Aaron Rodgers, to me, has to be a five right. or six win player in right. order to get past Buffalo. And, and look, I mean, to, to kind of play the devil's advocate for my own argument here, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is capable of being that guy, right? I mean, two years ago, he was the back-to-back -back MVP. Like, I, I'm not – it's not out of the cards to be – you know, I, I don't, there's not going to be a bigger upgrade that any team makes 22 to 23 going from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think the Jets finding a way to win seven games with Zach Wilson and Mike White and even Chris Streveler at times last season. I, I think that's almost an argument in favor of the Jets because I, I think it is a massive, massive upgrade. You know, you're not going from Kirk Cousins to Aaron Rodgers. You're going from arguably the worst starting quarterback in the league to Aaron Rodgers. So I, I, I'm high on this Jets team as well. I, I just think Buffalo is the more well-rounded team. They're the team that, that's, you know, kind of been there these last couple of years. They understand what's at stake this season. You know, it feels like, you know, they've missed opportunities each of the last two years. I think they're going to be extremely, extremely refocused uh, and make sure that they don't go through that mid-season lull. And you also have to keep in mind, Josh Allen was playing hurt for, what, right. at least half, maybe closer to three quarters of last well, season. You know, he had, Josh he had Allen that wasn't the same guy post-injury. And that'll right. lead you to Tyler. Listen, I haven't made any decisions here. I'm a Bills fan, and I don't love picks that are plus 120. No offense, Nick. I mean, it's the favorite in the clubhouse. I did ask you to make the pick. This is my. This is really the question. If, if Josh Allen gets hurt, Josh Allen is the team. You put Josh Allen on any team in the NFL, you could see a very easy path to 10, 11 wins very, very quickly. Right. If Josh Allen goes down, this division's really open to anyone. So, Tyler, I'll, I'll leave this to you. Can you sell me that the Jets are above and beyond the next best team in that division? That'll really make that 250 look juicy. I can because there was one key thing I did leave out, and that is the running back slot. So they pick up Dalvin Cook. Okay, yes, Dalvin Cook is a little bit older. But we can all agree that Brees Hall was well on his way to becoming Offensive Rookie of the Year before he tore his ACL last year. And we can all agree that athletes come back sometimes as good, if not stronger, with torn ACLs with today's technology. I think Brees Hall is going to be fine. Their backfield is going to be a very solid one-two punch. Aaron Rodgers has his guys that he wants at the receiver position, being Lazard and Cobb, veterans that he's used to. 
they're going to make this work. They will win this division. I don't know if they're going to win. I don't know if they're going to win. Okay, Nick, get the last word here. Well, look, I, I agree that the Jets are the second best team. If I wasn't going to go Buffalo, I would go with the Jets. And part of it is I, I'm just scared to death, as you talked about at the top of the show, uh, about what's going to happen with Tua. You know, this is not a situation where any other quarterback who sustains a concussion throughout the year, it's, okay, maybe one or two games he's out. Like, Tua, we could be talking about his career is over if he sustains another concussion. So, like, I, I just can't put any money on the Miami Dolphins. If Tua stays healthy, if they could keep him upright for 17 games, absolutely Miami is going to be in the mix here. But to me, that is way, way too big of a risk. So I, I'm not even out on the Jets. I actually like the Jets to finish second in this division. I, I think Buffalo goes something like 12 and five and the Jets are right there with 11 or 10 wins behind them. But again, Buffalo has the wiggle room. They have the best quarterback to me. They have the better skill position players. Like we could talk about Garrett, Garrett Wilson, who is amazing, but beyond that in that receiving core, I mean, you're depending on a lot of guys who have not really proven it at that level. Okay, I'm ready to render my verdict, and I, I think I'm ready to render my best bet as well. The Jets, listen, I, I, I hear a lot of things. I talk to a lot of Jets fans in my life. They're worried about the offensive line, which is a point that Tyler, you left out. you got to bring up those bad arguments. The Jets' offensive line is a real issue, and Aaron Rodgers is 40 years old, so he's two years removed from the back-to-back -back MVP, but last year he fell off a cliff. I, I'm leaning towards the Jets under, but I do think that they are the second-best team. I, I think plus 120. Listen, I don't think the Dolphins have any chance to win this division. Um, you know, you have two are trying to learn jujitsu in the offseason to try to avoid concussions. I don't I don't think that's anything. I don't think, you know, and, and Nick, this is where I think you've won this round. I think for the Jets to win this division, they really need Aaron Rodgers needs to be a five or six win addition to a seven win team. And I'm not seeing that. Just I just don't I just don't personally see it. And the judge, Tyler, you're shaking your head like I'm wrong. Listen, the judge is always right. This is my courtroom. Nick, I'm gonna give you round three. For my best bet, though, Tyler, you're not leaving empty handed here. I like this commander's bet. I like this six and a half. This team is, is a seven-win team consistently year in and year out. So, Nick, you get the win. Tyler, you get the consolation prize. And I think, I think we're ready to close the books here. Thank you all for joining us on the Sports Better Court. Coming up next at 7 o'clock, Lisa Ann does Fantasy Better with Lisa Ann and Howard Benner. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me, and we'll see everyone next week on another episode of the Sports Better Court.